It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. He's been called both the high priest of LSD as well as the most dangerous man in America by President Nixon. He's Timothy Leary, and his research on psychedelic drugs was both groundbreaking and controversial. If you enjoy this episode, follow Today in True Crime. Every day, travel back in time to relive the most significant events in true crime history. Follow Today in True Crime free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Thursday, January 21st, 2021. On this day in 1970, newspapers reported that psychedelics researcher and former Harvard professor Timothy Leary was convicted of illegally transporting marijuana across the U.S.-Mexico border. But Leary's story was much bigger than one conviction. In fact, his actions led to President Nixon declaring him the most dangerous man in America. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Today, we're covering the conviction of the so-called high priest of LSD, Timothy Leary. Let's go back to January 21st, 1970, as news broke across the United States. The news was splashed in papers across the country. A former Harvard professor was convicted of drug smuggling. Without context, the idea might normally spark confusion. But this particular story had drawn national attention, which led to an unusually large number of people in the courtroom for the verdict. For many drug smuggling trials, you might expect the courtroom to be mostly empty, save for the essential personnel. Judge, jury, prosecution, and of course, a defendant. In the town of Laredo, which sits on the U.S.-Mexico border, those kinds of trials likely occurred fairly often. But this was no ordinary drug smuggling trial. For this particular case, the gallery was full. The room was packed with curious locals, mostly businessmen and homemakers, along with anxious hippies, who had a vested interest in the fate of a 49-year-old Dr. Timothy Leary. The former Harvard professor was charged with smuggling three ounces of marijuana into the United States in 1965, though the substance was reportedly carried by his daughter. Leary actually had beaten the charge once before. Initially convicted in 1965 and sentenced to 30 years in jail, the verdict was eventually overturned by the Supreme Court. But five years after the fact, the authorities were ready to try again with a new set of charges. 
For his part, Leary insisted that the whole affair was a political show. He'd recently announced his candidacy for governor of California and believed that there were ulterior motives at play in dredging this matter back up. Still, he seemed confident that he would win. In fact, such was his confidence that his team mounted no real defense. No witnesses were called to testify on Leary's behalf, which made for a rather short trial. It also meant that the jury had very little to discuss during their brief deliberation. After just an hour and 20 minutes, the court reconvened to hear the verdict, guilty. Speaking to the press after proceedings were concluded, Leary insisted that the government was trying to repress freedom, but said he wasn't angry. Offering hopeful advice to his followers, the academic said, all we have to do is stay loving and keep cool. That was the line that ran in newspaper articles across the United States on Wednesday, January 21st, 1970. Stay loving and keep cool. It was sound advice at the time, but might have offered little comfort in hindsight. Leary was handed a 10-year jail term for the drug smuggling charge. In declaring the sentence, U.S. District Court Judge Ben C. Connolly declared Leary a menace to the country. But neither the admonition nor the prison sentence drew a reaction from 50-year-old Leary. His 34-year-old wife, Rosemary, seemed at least a little more concerned and embraced her husband as long as she could before he was led away from the courtroom. But though he was convicted in Texas, Leary was taken instead to California, where he faced outstanding marijuana possession charges. Not that Leary seemed to worry about where he would serve his sentence. He didn't intend to stay long. You see, Timothy Leary helped develop the prison's psychological examination used at the time. So when he was interviewed, he knew just what to say to secure himself a cell in a minimum security facility near San Luis Obispo, a beachside city in California. The comparatively low security allowed the former professor to scale a 12-foot fence late one September evening and make his bid for freedom. The only trail he left behind was his discarded prison uniform dumped in a service station bathroom just two miles from the prison. This might have been where Leary met his getaway car, which was arranged by militant protest group The Weathermen. The group spirited Leary away and helped smuggle him out of the United States, away from the federal government's grasp. And that was just the beginning of Timothy Leary's life as a prison escapee. Coming up, why the U.S. government was so determined to put Timothy Leary behind bars. Now, back to the story. On January 21, 1970, former Harvard professor and so-called high priest of LSD, Timothy Leary, was sentenced to 10 years in prison on drug smuggling charges. But in September of that year, the 50-year-old academic broke out of a San Luis Obispo facility with the help of the weathermen. The daring escape only added to the mystique of the man President Nixon once declared the most dangerous man in America. But just what made Leary so dangerous? 
Well, it might not surprise you that Richard Nixon may have been exaggerating for his own political gain. According to authors Bill Minitaglio and Stephen L. Davis, Nixon's advisors suggested he find a public enemy to distract the public from his own flagging approval rating, the war in Vietnam, and the struggling economy. They chose Leary, a prominent figure in the counterculture movement, and because the former professor was a proud exponent of hallucinogenic drug use, the president's ire fit right in with his war on drugs narrative. Timothy Leary was something of a self-appointed spokesperson for the benefits of drug use, which he'd enjoyed since 1960. After an experimental magic mushrooms trip, the already noted psychologist became excited about the possibilities mushrooms and similar drugs had on the human brain. During his tenure at Harvard, he conducted academic experiments on the effects of hallucinogens, drawing the attention and admiration of other notable 1960s figures. Famed authors like Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac willingly participated in Leary's experiments, and it was perhaps their involvement that catapulted the professor onto the national stage. Before long, Leary was touring the country, speaking about his research and reportedly brushing up against the rich and famous. Inevitably, a backlash arrived. Leary's teaching colleagues criticized his experimentation with LSD. They believed research of that nature should be left to medical doctors, not psychologists. Meanwhile, psychology experts who once lauded Leary's earlier work now made it clear that his drug-centered experiments were less praiseworthy. Despite these blows, Leary insisted that taking LSD was, quote, a sacramental ritual, one that could expand human consciousness. Harvard University did not agree and fired him in 1963. But by that stage, Leary had a new life. He was a counterculture touchstone for the masses and a legitimizing scientific voice in the pro-drug movement. He rubbed shoulders with Marilyn Monroe and sang with John Lennon and Yoko Ono. In short, he was a powerful voice advocating for drug use throughout the 1960s. He even appeared before a Senate committee to argue in favor of legislation that would make it legal for adults to use hallucinogenic drugs. So when Richard Nixon assumed the U.S. presidency in 1969, Leary was squarely in his sights. Ostensibly, Nixon wanted to eliminate drug use in the country. Leary very much did not. That made him dangerous. So it's little surprise that when Leary's appeal of his 1965 drug smuggling conviction was overturned, the government wanted a second bite at the apple. But any joy Nixon and his cabinet might have felt in putting Leary away was short-lived. Using his network of contacts, the former professor escaped prison, remaining on the run until 1973, when he was detained in Afghanistan and sent back to the United States. There, he was jailed in the notorious Folsom Prison and briefly befriended Charles Manson. And though his sentence was for 10 years, Leary was paroled in 1976, having served just three. 
It's a surprising twist today, given that so many drug offenders are imprisoned for decades on similar offenses. Then again, Timothy Leary was famous and white, which might have had something to do with his early release. Following his release, Leary was no longer targeted by the government, but remained a controversial figure up until his death in 1996. For much of his life, he toured as a speaker on a variety of subjects and was a fierce proponent of emerging technologies like personal computers and the Internet. After Leary died from prostate cancer, his friend, writer and internet activist John Perry Barlow, suggested that his legacy should not be about drugs. Instead, he hoped people would remember Timothy Leary for his message that authority should be questioned and frequently defied. Which seems appropriate for a former Harvard professor who fooled the U.S. government and broke out of prison. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like Timothy Leary's, check out our show, Famous Fates, Movers and Shakers. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joel Callen, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Haley Milliken. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime.